Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! Welcome to the Shut Your News Hope podcast. I'm Frizzell Bailey. And I'm Zach Mazur. Zach, this week I wanted to talk about, well, it's football season, so it's probably a good, as good a time as any to talk about um, the NFL protest con- controversy. So first, let's get a little background. So in 2016, Colin Kaepernick started sitting during the national anthem. And this was initially it was just preseason games. And for two or three games, no one noticed at all that that it was happening. And it kind of went under the radar. Um, But then some some sports writers started talking about it. And and that's when it became controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, He then had a meeting with a former Green Beret, I believe it was. Uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I didn't know about the Green Bay, or Green Bay, thinking football. Not the Green Bay Packers, the Green Beret. Uh, I don't know the name, um, but nevertheless, he spoke with the Green Beret. Wouldn't you continue? Um, what was the conversation about? So he talked about how People had already started talking about the sitting as disrespectful to the flag and to the troops and to the country. So he recommended that he take a knee instead because that's something that they do in the military. Um, Also something that that is done pretty regularly in sports, particularly football. Um, So that's when he shifted towards just taking the knee rather than sitting down. Mm -hmm. It didn't really quell the the controversy at all um it pretty much stayed pretty controversial regardless of what method he was using yeah Um, but what what is what's what's your take on all of this well first of all i think it's interesting that um apparently the national anthem isn't usually broadcast um on tv so ironically a lot of people wouldn't know about this were it not for the fact that people started talking about it. The only people that would have seen it were people that were at live games. And I'm not sure how visible Kaepernick would have been. However, the point is, is that he wanted people to know. And, um, you know, frankly, I don't have a problem with it. I understand why he's doing it. Um, It's to bring awareness to, you know, police brutality against people of color. And, um, as, as you know, people are, are doing, they're, they're conflating that with a disrespect for the flag. Um, I don't see it as disrespecting the flag. I see it as raising awareness to something that's very important um, and something that clearly isn't getting the attention that it needs to the extent that we're seeing a serious reduction in these types of incidents where, you know, the police are behaving, you know, in an illegal manner towards people. Well, and we have to go back to um, that summer of 2016, I believe it was. And it seemed at the time like every other week there was another vi- another video of an unarmed black person, usually male, being shot by a, a police officer. And it was it was it was getting terrifying, um, even for me and and. I'm not particularly fond of the police. Um, I don't have a problem with them, but I try to stay away from them whenever mm-hmm. possible. 
But let, yeah, that's, I mean, that's understandable. <laughs> one, and this is what Kaepernick said when he was interviewed about why he was doing it. I'm, I'm going to read his quote. Okay. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. So that's what he said in, in the early fall of 2016. So he's pretty explicit about why he was doing it. Um, right. But that, that never seemed to seem to register. Um, no, not at all. And I'm at a loss to, to figure out why that is. Why, why do you think that it so quickly turned into just this question of disrespect, uh, disrespecting the flag and, and the troops? Well, I think that one of the reasons is um, there's probably not that much of a concern among large segments of the American population about the issue of police brutality. Um, so maybe a lot of people just didn't think that it was an important enough issue to protest in the way that Colin Kaepernick did. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact timeline, but I also know that, um, our demagogue in chief, um, really helped to, you know, fan the flames and to definitely make it about disrespecting our troops and our flag and to intentionally, I think, um, skew the what the debate what the discussion was actually so supposed to be about well and that's something that's something he's very good at yeah and you know one can argue he's doing it to deflect attention away from um other problems that he is constantly having but i don't i don't think that's the case i don't think he needs an another um uh, you know, reason to do that. I think that even if everything was perfect in Trump's presidency, he would still make this an issue because he's a demagogue. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revise my previous statement a little bit. So okay. I think I do, I do know a little bit why this has played out the way it has, because there's precedent for this. So if we, if we go back to um, 1968, and the Mexico City Olympics, when the the two uh, American track and field uh, athletes raised a black fist mm -hmm. on the uh, on the medal podium, uh, right. Tom Smith and John Carlos, um, that was very controversial at the time, and they suffered suffered some real consequences for that. Yeah, uh, and then they were expelled from the games. Well, and, and in '72, there were two other athletes. Um, who they, they didn't raise a black fist. It was Vince Matthews and Wayne Collette. They just stood on the podium with their hands down, not facing the flag, kind of just, you know, shooting the breeze and being very casual. But they too ended up being um, uh, banned from the games, uh, the following the following set of games. Um, so there were, there were clear consequences for this. Um, to me, the prototypical example of protest and sport is probably Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And nowadays we think about him as this revered figure, but if you go back to when when all of this was actually happening, people hated him. He he was he was persona non grata in much of the country because he refused to fight for the country, which he saw as protesting what was happening in Vietnam as well as what was happening 
happening at home with the civil rights movement. He saw he saw an inconsistency in that I'm being treated like this at home, but then I'm going to go fight for you know freedom in some other country that I know nothing about. So right. there, also, there, yeah, there, there, there is precedent for all of this too. You know, it's yeah, you're you're fighting for your country. You're fighting for a country that's that's treating people like you, uh, meaning Muhammad Ali in a, in a terrible manner too. I mean, that, that's gotta be, you know, it's never easy to lay down your life for your country, but especially when your country isn't treating you fairly. Right. Um, well, I, I think, and, oh, go on. well, even more recently back in 96, you had, um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, formerly Chris Jackson, uh, basketball player in the NBA. He converted to Islam. Mm-hmm. And he started praying during the national anthem. So he was, you know, hands together, cupped, looking down at his hands, saying a prayer. And right. he he got a lot of controversy around that. Um, and like Colin Kaepernick, it might have shortened his career, I think, a little bit as well. So I, I bring up all of these examples to show that this is something that has gone. There have been national anthem protests before. Um, and they they have always been controversial. But if right. you look at them, all of, all of these people are black. <laughs> yeah, and you know the idea is that it's supposed to be controversial, controversial because you're trying to raise awareness about something, and right. a good way to do that is to you know maybe rattle people's cages. But what I find most unfortunate is time and time again the reason people are protesting is ignored. And the only focus is on this whole issue of the flag and disrespecting it. It would, I think it would have made a lot of people feel differently had, you know, people said, Hey, um, Colin Kaepernick is bringing to, you know, attention, something that's really important. Many of us don't think that it's right to do it, you know, to, as you know, to, uh, quote unquote disrespect the flag but you know there, there was just never an acknowledgement of why he's doing it it seemed um, here's, 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 here's the kind of irony of all of this so uh, was it Francis, Francis Scott Key who wrote the national anthem was pretty widely known to be very pro-slavery and very anti-abolitionist and there's actually a verse that was in the, the the national anthem that has been you know taken out that gave reference to the slaves who fought with the British against the colonists in in exchange for their freedom. So from the very start, the national anthem has been dripping, drenched in in, in racial uh, uh, controversy. So I didn't it, know that. That's, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many people knew that when they've taken the knee or done some other type of protest during the national anthem, but that, yeah, that that's definitely adds more reason why it's an appropriate place to uh, protest something. Um, you know, and again, getting back to kind of what I was talking about just before, um, People say, well, why can't you protest this issue or protest any issue in a, in a different way? Um, well, what way? 
an op-ed in a newspaper somewhere. I mean, because of the um, amount of attention that's, you know, the, the um, fame of professional athletes, it gives them a great podium that other people don't have to make a statement. Exactly. I mean, and, and actors and entertainers do it as well um, with varying degrees of, of success and controversy. Um, but there, there seems to be something different about athletes, particularly black athletes. Well, I think also one of the reasons it makes a bigger splash is because of at exactly when it's happening. It's something that's happening live in front of you at a you know moment that's, I don't know, maybe for some people solemn. Whereas if somebody protest, you know, if you have a movie star protesting something, they're just doing it in general. You know, the movie is shown later multiple times across the country so maybe it doesn't get as much attention um but that's neither here nor there um the fact of the matter is you're trying to put a spotlight on something that's wrong and unfortunately instead of people really acknowledging what's wrong they focus on the flag and they switch the argument like we mentioned to an issue of disrespecting the flag and the troops when that's not the case but my point, about, my point about the athletes compared to entertainers is, is this. In the NFL, there isn't a single majority owner who is black, not a single one, despite the fact that 70% of the players in the NFL are black. And wow, yeah, that's a good point. When, when you look at that question, along with it's only been within my lifetime that black men were allowed to play quarterback because yeah. for several decades, it was assumed that a black man couldn't be a quarterback because he, he, he lacked the, the leadership skills and intellect to, to run the offense. It, it wasn't, it wasn't until what the early nineties, I believe it was when Doug Williams won a Super Bowl that there had been any like major uh, black quarterback in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was aware of that, and I don't even pay attention to football, really. But I remember when, yeah, when we had our first black quarterbacks, and I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, my God. I Yeah, I don't think I ever saw, a few times I watched football, a black quarterback. And, yeah, that was pretty – that really blew me away. I mean, it's incredibly racist. Well, yeah, and, and if you're watching the football, you don't see it as much anymore, but you you often see uh, commentators talking about how, you know, say they were talking about a black player and they were talking, they would talk about how athletic he was or how instinctual he was. Right. But then they would talk about, you know, you know Doug Flutie or, or Joe Montana, and they would talk about poise and intellect and, and football IQ. Right. And, one 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 way of referencing the person is that they're a body, you know, like an animal. The other way of referencing them is that they're a they're a superior version of of what a human being can be. They're they're the, the apex of, of what a human athlete can be. So it's this 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 racial dynamic has always been in sport, particularly football, where. Mm-hmm. Players are seen as as gladiators for the most part, and yeah. you have you have this power dynamic where the players are all or prim- primarily black, 
and the owners are primarily all white and mm-hmm. much older. So yeah. you, you, you get this, you, you get this, this relationship where you've got, you know, Jerry Jones in Dallas, this old white dude telling these young black guys that they can't do this. And it, it yeah, it's, 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 it's broke with race, racial tension. You can't, you can't not have it. Right. But I, I will say that the NFL does have a rule about the, the national anthem and what players and team officials should be doing when it's being played. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rule states that you, they should be standing. Uh, um, they, they should not have their helmets on. Uh, they should face the flag. So th- there is a rule. And mm-hmm. the rule also um, suggests that there are co- consequences uh, for not following the rule. So, but that there, adds to the impact, though, of breaking that rule in order to protest. Yeah, if it's a specific rule, it's kind of doesn't matter, though, because the whole idea of the of the of protesting is to break a rule to make exactly. a wave. So whether exactly. it's a specific rule or not, I don't think that really matters. Right. Well, no, and and you're right. If 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 you aren't breaking a rule, are you really protest protesting? Exactly. Exactly. If, if, you're, if you're asking permission to have a protest, then this is probably not much of a protest. Right. And then when you tell people that they can't protest in a certain way, whether it's a rule or not, you are impinging on their First Amendment rights. Right. So speaking of rules, I, I'd like to shift to uh, what happened at the U.S. Open a couple weeks ago with Serena Williams. Okay. Um, She gets into a bit of a, a heated argument with the chair chair umpire. Right. Um, he accuses her coach of coaching from the stands, mm-hmm. which I've been watching tennis since I was a kid, and I love the game, and I, I was aware of this rule, but it's not a rule that is that is enforced. Well, that that applies to every tournament. Right. I, from, from my reading of it, that there's certain. I don't know if you call them leagues or whatnot, where it's actually okay to do that, but I guess right. in that instance it wasn't. But in any event, I don't know. I I don't know if she did or not. Um, again, kind of like football, I don't follow tennis that closely. Table tennis, maybe, but not regular tennis. Um, well, her, her assertion you, was you know more about the situation than I do. Well, her assertion was that she didn't receive coaching. Okay. But that doesn't mean that her coach wasn't trying to send coaching. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I haven't seen any video of him from the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, but he may have been trying to coach, and whether or not she was aware of that is immaterial to the, right. to the rule. So the, the, acquitted, the parent power would be within coaching. his rights to say, hey. He would be within his rights to say, hey, you need to make sure your coach isn't coaching from the stands. Right, but she can't control what her coach does. Well, I mean, no, she's he's not a he's not a puppet, but he she can acknowledge that he's doing that and kind of you know give him the side eye. I don't know, um, but it, it escalated from there um, because well, I think that it it goes back to the severity of the punishment she received. 
Right. Because if you've watched enough tennis in the past you know, two or three decades, you see a lot of male players say a lot worse things and and in a lot more forceful way to chair umpires or line judges or whatever it is. And usually they don't, they, they might receive a slap on the wrist, you know, nothing too severe as, you know, taking a point away or, or something like that, something that would impact the game. Right. Um, you're probably aware of John McEnroe, who was infamous. You can't be serious. Exactly. He was infamous for arguing with the judges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got fined for what he would do. But again, the, the, the argument is, was he fined enough? I don't know. It didn't stop his outburst, assuming he could control them. Well, he's the most famous example, but... A lot of other players do it. Even even someone who has a squeaky clean image like Roger Federer has been known to curse at a chair umpire, which I've never I've never seen it because most of the matches I've seen him and he's playing well and he's, you know, demolishing his opponent. Well, maybe but, he cursed in German. Nobody knew. <laughs> Isn't he German? Maybe. I'm just I, I'm not, maybe he's some sort of Nordic country. I'm not sure. But yeah, so. There, there have been players who have come out since the U.S. Open and said, yeah, I've said worse things to a cheer umpire than that and not gotten, got, not gotten that kind of punishment for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we have to talk about that. Again, we're, we're back on race, but we're also talking about gender. Right. Because there's this sense that women can't be forceful in, in, in defending you know, their side or, 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 you know, their game during the match. So it, it, it is pretty uncommon for a woman to, to go off on a, on a chair umpire like she did. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't think of many examples that I've seen watching women's tennis and I've watched a lot of women t- tennis over the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens but it's not nearly as common as on, on the men's side. Yeah. Um, from what I've read, the umpire, Carlos Ramos, is known for being pretty rigid. Um, but I also understand that maybe he could have given her warnings that apparently he didn't. Um, and maybe that's something that other players get. Um, I think everybody understands that in a heated match, sporting event, you know, um, emotions are running high. It doesn't excuse, you know, losing one's temper. But again, one would think that, assuming this is what happened, that he could have given her some type of warning. Maybe that would have helped walk things back. Basically, de-escalate things. Right. I don't right. think he did, though. Well, he seemed like he was he was pretty uh, entrenched in his position, and he he was going to enforce the letter of the rule. Um, which is within his right. I mean, he's got the discretion to give a warning or, you know, not or give a harsh punishment or he could just let it go. But, you know, the problem with it is when you have a rule that doesn't appear to be evenly enforced, mm-hmm. then you have people questioning the rule. So you, you, you have to enforce the rule with some sort of consistency. And it, it, it goes back a little bit to, and I'm, it's a bit of a tangent, but it goes back to, you know, po- po- um, police brutality. If, if you have 
a group of people being treated differently from a, another group of people, then you start ha- asking a question like, what, what are we doing here? Right. The, the cop, the police can either brutalize all of us, which would, you know, not be good, or they could just, yeah, treat everybody equally uh, within the law. Right. But if, if any, any, any group of us is being brutalized, then we're all being brutalized in a no, way, you know, yeah. we all have the potential to be, to be brutalized. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if you think that you're, that you're, you're immune from it, then, you know, that's, that's your right, but you, you could be very wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I also just want to make an aside that. Uh, well, and, and she, she was also fined $17,000 mm-hmm. um, by the USTA, um, which I assume they would when I, when I first saw the video. Mm-hmm. Of if for nothing else, she she could have been fined for unsportsmanlike conduct. They they do those all the time. Right. Um, Seventeen thousand dollars isn't a whole lot of money for someone like Serena. So, you know. So they're they're just they're really just kind of making sure that they're consistent, which I suppose is good. Mm-hmm. Well, I just as a not to get off track too much, but I also just want to make it clear that when we complain about police brutality, we're not talking about all police officers. The majority do their jobs, you know, appropriately and well and are good people and they do risk their lives to do what they do. So we are referring to bad apples. The problem is, is that the rest of the um, police force in whatever given city or not, I think sometimes don't go after the, the, um, the, the abuses like they should. But um, again, I, I just don't want this to turn into a police bashing um, but no. topic. Just, just, just making it clear for any police officers or relatives of police officers who may be listening. That's not what we're trying to do. Well, no, and for, for, for someone to assume that would be pretty idiotic. I know, I mean, but, but you know how people are. <laughs> you don't. Well, you there, there, there's a problem. There, there's a problem with with that way of framing the question. Okay. So. As 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 with what's happening in sport, if we if we we if we frame this as something that's a a group of bad actors or bad apples in the barrel, then that that ignores the systemic problems, because it's not about bad apples. It's it's about it's about a a culture that produces bad apples. And right, and the culture that when, does some of these when some of these things happen. Right, when some of these things happen, and you don't have you don't have other people in the uniform speaking out or or trying to look for solutions uh-huh. and just continue continuing on with the status quo, then that's not about that's not about apples. I know that's, I know. that's about that's about a system. And of people who have who have decided to continue that system. I get that. All I was trying to do was just preempt the types of criticisms that you know will come when this when this is discussed. That's really all I was trying to do. Is well, I understand, but honestly, I don't give a fuck about <laughs> what if people think that that I, that I don't like the police. It's like I don't. It's not about the police. It's it's about it's about dead people in the street. So I don't worry about the police or their families because on this question, it's not about them. They, they have a part to play, but it's not about them. Okay. Right. Fair enough. I mean, I 
probably had very different experiences and interactions with police officers than you did because I'm white and you're black. Um, and, you know, a number of black people I know have told me that they've been unfairly harassed by the police just for doing nothing wrong, you know. So, and then, of course, it must be more scary to have to be pulled over by a police officer when you're black because, well, statistically, you're more likely <laughs> unfortunately get shot um you know than than a white person i know that there's plenty of black parents that have to you know tell their children hey you know when you encounter a police officer or when you're driving you have to do this that and the other to make it abundantly clear that you are not a threat and um you know that's a sad commentary on the situation <laughs> well, and the, the sad part about it is that black parents used to have that same conversation with their kids, you know, about the Ku Klux Klan, about, yeah. you know, general, generalized racist white people. It's the same conversation, but now we're talking about a subset of, of Americans and not, and not, you know, the broader white world. Mm -hmm. So the fact, the fact that parents are having that conversation in 2018 to, you know, a 15 year old kid and, and, you know, their parent may have had it with them, you know, in the, in the fifties, but about, you know, Klansmen and rednecks, mm -hmm. that should tell us we have a problem right there. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Um, I want to touch a little bit though, getting back to, to Trump. Um, and I've, had this thought in blowing or not blowing up, but making the whole controversy so much larger. I wonder if in a way he's kind of helped uh, Colin Kaepernick in terms of what Kaepernick was trying to accomplish. Um, I mean, on one level, I, I realized that he's just rousing up his quote unquote base. who are going to just see this as disrespecting the flag and, and soldiers. But it, it also makes me think though, how many other people, um, who aren't the base, who maybe didn't think, don't think much about the issue that Kaepernick is raising. How many more people now have thought about it or are thinking about it because Trump made it an even bigger issue than it normally would have been? What do you think? Well, I don't know that he made it a bigger issue. I, I know that he hijacked the framing of the protests. Um, he didn't make it a bigger yeah, issue, but he gave it more attention. He, he drew more attention to it than it would have otherwise had. The issue is itself is a big issue, period. Well, I'm talking about the attention the issue got. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as, as someone who, who follows sports, it was a huge issue from day one. I mean, I, the, the, the amount of ink that was spilled and, and, and pixels that were rendered telling the story on the net, on, in, in, in papers, on TV was enormous. And there was so much heat on around this issue. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know that he expanded that heat. I think. I just think he hijacked it, and he's dog whistling to his base, and he's he's playing with the racial component of it to to gain political advantage, which is what he always does. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, he's the demagogue in chief. Uh, well. When was the last time you heard a president 
on national TV refer to anyone as a son of a bitch. Never. I mean, that's, that, I that is shameful. Or calling for people to be fired. Who is he to determine right. that? Yeah. Yeah, call, calling on people to, to be punched in the face. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah. So he, he's, he's, he's trying to drum up his supporters to, to you know, follow, follow him into, you know, wherever he's going with this, I'm not sure. But like you said earlier, he's also trying to deflect from others, other things that are more important. Right. But there's one, there's one other component to this that a lot of people don't realize. Trump has wanted to own an NFL team for really? decades. And they have consistent, consistently said, no, you are not allowed to be an owner in this wow. league. That's, I so, had no idea about that. This is going back, what, how long? We're talking about the 80s. And what were the reasons given for not want? I mean, other than what I can think would be obvious, but what did they say specifically about why he couldn't own a team? Well, they, that's the thing. The NFL is essentially a cartel. They don't have to say anything mm-hmm. as to okay. why. And they, I, I haven't seen anything publicly that shows them saying anything about why they wouldn't mm-hmm. allow it. But they, 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 they've, they've repeatedly denied him access. Mm-hmm. And if we know anything about mm-hmm. Trump, he hates it when people try to belittle him or deny him right. things. Um, he wants what he wants when he right. wants it. So part of what's happening is probably he's got he's still got that you know spur in his saddle about not being able to own a team. I mean, for a while there was the what was it the USFL or XFL? I forget oh, which yeah. one it was, where he was a team, he was a, he was a team owner in in that league. Which, by all accounts, I think he ran that team into the ground, and probably one of the reasons why the league <laughs> collapsed. But yeah, he he has a problem with the NFL beyond this anthem. So we can only issue. guess what um, that problem might be. But I would, I would, you know, suggest that maybe you know people in the NFL knew that he might not be temperamentally, you know, appropriate, um, able to own, to to you know to be an NFL owner. Um, they might have just seen aspects of his personality that would say, no, nope, this guy is, is not going to do a very good job. Of course, he can be president, but ugh, can't own an NFL team. I don't know. That's just me guessing. But there must be something to it. Um, or maybe it just could be his history of um, failed businesses. I know he tried in, I think, the 80s to have um, an, an airline, and that failed miserably. Um, so maybe they just thought, hey, this guy's a crappy businessman. I don't know. That's possible. I mean, all, all of those would be valid reasons not to allow him to yeah. own a team. Yeah, absolutely. But you're, you're absolutely right that when he when he feels slighted, he gets really angry. I mean, obviously, he hated Obama, you know, probably from the get go. But from what, what I understand, when there was that, um, what was it? The, um, the there was a, a the, the media meeting. I forgot exactly what they call it, but Obama roasted Trump and. You could just see Trump. Oh, my God, he was seething. And some people say that that's when he really decided that he was going to run and just lit more fire under his butt for his hatred of Obama. Um, So, yeah, he definitely does not like to get slighted, (laughs) to say the least. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This guy, what can I say? Um, But, you know, getting back to the topic at hand, um, would you say that it's uh, kind of 
over and concluded or it's still going on? I guess maybe, you know, it is still going on to the extent that Nike now has done that commercial, um, which in a way has kind of brought it back into the limelight. Well, the Nike commercial is, is interesting for two reasons. One is that it's not that common for them to renew a contract with a player who isn't con- considered to be one of the you know Hall of Fame mm-hmm. players. I mean, Ka- Kaepernick had you know a, a good season in what was it, 2015 and 2016 um, was okay, but then he got injured. And, and got benched and, and essentially never really made much of a mark from then on. So he didn't have that long of a career at the highest levels. So that's significant. Um, the other the other thing is that Nike is putting putting their money behind the horse that is that is all about the protests right. and not the other side. And this, there, there are some, there are some people who are, who are taking a cynical view, where that well, they're just you know a corporation, you know, going where the money is because it's believed that their 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 uh, customers are younger than the, the the customers of the NFL, and are probably more sympathetic to Kaepernick than they mm-hmm. are with the NFL. Well, I mean, a company is going to do what it thinks is in its best interest to earn more money. So there's there's that cynical aspect of it too, but I don't blame a company for doing that. That's kind of what they're supposed to do. Um, but, um, yeah, I saw the commercial. I, it's really impactful. And, um, you know, Trump said that it was going to harm Nike's sales, but it turns out that that's not the case. Um, and then of course we got that interesting entertainment of morons burning their already purchased Nike products. (laughs) Kind of interesting that. Right. I'm speaking speaking of the efficacy of protests, I'm not I'm not even sure why anyone would do that and think that would be an effective way to 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 get anything yeah. done. But people Yeah, do. and people do a lot of things that uh, don't necessarily make sense, economic or otherwise. You know, I mean I suppose right. you could burn them and make an issue of so, it or if you feel um, that strongly, you know, you just don't have to wear them. Or actually if you're um I don't know be a good person you could just give them to um salvation army but well no in their mind that would still be right. uh circulating in Nike. but i digress so on that note zach i think okay. we're gonna cut it here um we're getting to about an, about 45 50 minutes and I'm, i want to keep it fairly brief so so yeah um so it was, yeah, it was a great I conversation. A I, so it's very interesting from my perspective. Um, thank you for educating me. <laughs> and uh, oh, yes. You're welcome, sir. But uh, yeah, I look forward to our next episode. Um, it remains to be seen what it will be about because a lot of times it depends what's going on in the media and you never know what's going to happen from day to day, especially these days. Well, exactly. not in Trump's America. You know, there's a Chinese curse that says, or so I've heard, may you live in interesting times. And I know exactly what that means now. Yeah. Well, depends on how you right. define interesting. I might, I might call it <laughs> terrifying. But on, on that note, 
Uh, thank you for listening to the Shut Your News Hope podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, Zach.